0: Blog Talk Radio. TV Party Tonight! 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 We're going to have a TV Party Tonight! Alright! We're going to have a TV Party Alright! Tonight! we because... got... Watch TV and have a couple of brews. Everybody's gonna hang out here tonight. All right. Still We'll out on the couch. All right. Good We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't talk about anything else. We don't wanna know where.
1: And tonight our favorite show is Black Mirror, brought to you by the good people at Netflix. We are discussing season three of said TV show. I, of course, am your host, the mandated reporter and, frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge, And joining me, eventually will be my co-host for the evening. The man that got me uh, started on Black Mirror. Very passionate about this show he is. And there he is now. Yay! woo It's the disapproving dad and the host of source material in his own right. The third chair of the Mental Hammer of Doom. And a pretty cool fruit who really knows where his towel's at. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the one and only Jesse Starcher. How do you do, sir?
2: Damn, man. Okay, so I, uh, let's just say I, my daughter has figured out how to hook up the external speakers to the computer so she can blast her music as loud as she wants to. All right? However, she does not and this is this goes for many aspects of uh, of children. They do not know how to clean up after themselves and put things back the way they were. Hence, why wasn't blog talk or firefox allowing me to hook up my microphone what was it saying why why wouldn't it give me the option to allow my microphone that's because it wasn't plugged in mark radlich yes i had to go to the back (laughs) of the computer and discover that there lay the dangling cord of my microphone so i apologize for my very very brief lateness but i'm here and not for nothing i'm a pooping genius so you got me on your show (laughs) (laughs) The pooping genius has arrived.
1: (laughs) Would you like to extol the virtues of pooping and give people some techniques and advice on said matter, you pooping genius, you?
2: Now, see, a a good magician does not reveal his tricks, all right? But Mm -hmm. apparently, you know, children have that sixth sense about them. Hence why my four-year-old walked into the bathroom today and said, Dad... You are a genius at pooping. I said, "All right, I'll take it."
1: <laughs> Better to be a genius at something, right? Than, That's uh, right. than nothing at all. That's right. Uh, you, you take 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 your wins where you can get them. <clears throat> yeah. All right, Jesse. We we've talked about two seasons of Black Mirror already. This is the latest season. Um, allegedly, <clears throat> me. Allegedly, season four should be coming soon. Uh, But who knows? We'll see. Um, Mm. Right now, the Wikipedia just says Season 4, 2017. Well, we're running out of time.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
1: We'll see what happens here. But why don't you give people a 50-word or less refresher on why? where where does your interest in Black Mirror come from? Why do you insist I watch this nonsense? And... (laughs) uh, (laughs) And what are some of the things you want to talk about tonight?
2: Oh, uh, well, I, I could tell you that my probably what lies underneath it all when it comes to enjoying Black Mirror is my love for the Twilight Zone. Uh, there are many out there that will tell you that the Twilight Zone was probably one of the you know, best sci-fi shows of its time. Uh, you didn't really find much of that on uh, network TV. Uh, back in those days, so uh, I do so much love to go back and watch those black and white Twilight Zones. It's something that there's something that can be said about the episodic half-hour sci-fi adventure, uh, or you know, just crazy stuff that happens, and a story that's being told uh, that you know is just in the fantastic realm of things. So, Black Mirror hit my radar. Uh, it was last year, I believe. And it was near the end of last year, I think. You know, you watch. You're reading your social medias, and people are saying, "Hey, I enjoyed something about Black Mirror. This Black Mirror, that." I'm like, "What? What is this?" I thought it was a show that was that had a continuity and all that. I didn't realize that it was very much a Twilight Zone esque uh, type of uh, a type of program. So I was very pleased when I first started it. And this is one of those shows that I sat down, and me and my wife could enjoy when you get older ladies and gentlemen and you have kids it's tough to find you can't sit down and watch a movie anymore it's just <laughs> damn near impossible okay so the best thing that you can do is hope to get through a one-hour show without interruption and sometimes it's tough to do that uh but yes me and the wife went through the first two or three seasons pretty quickly and uh, i i enjoyed all I with all of them, and this this is a fun show. If you guys have not seen Black Mirror or watched it, I mean, just think of the like I said, kind of Twilight Zone sci-fi spin, but it's all dealt around the realm of technology. So social media is prevalent a lot. I think there's quite a few episodes here that kind of have that, or at least uh, definitely a couple that have uh, that those elements, uh, you know, and and just the kind of Future that technology might hold. Uh, so if you go back and listen to the first two coverage, uh, first two seasons of coverage that me and Mark had a, a fun time discussing. I don't care what you say, Mark Radlich It's a fun time. Uh, we had, you know, season one and season two. It, it it it's definitely worth a watch, especially if you enjoy those quick hits uh, of um, uh, in the sci-fi realm. So there you go, Mark Radlich
1: All right. Well, you know, you definitely turned me on to Black Mirror. Uh, One thing I got out of watching the first two seasons were it isn't just about, you know, technology run amok, um, though there is a lot of that. The show really does deal with morality. Yeah. Uh, There are deep moral questions being asked in almost every one of these episodes. And it, it, it is a thinker's show because it isn't necessarily scary, you know. But it does ask, "Will would you fuck a pig to save your country?" Things like that, <laughs> deep moral questions.
2: <laughs> and, and yeah, I encounter I encounter that fuck a pig question at least once a week.
1: <laughs> what would you do to save your country? Would you fuck that pig?
2: Um,
1: <laughs> but no, there's a, there's a lot of that. There's, there's certainly a lot of relationship. Um, questions in this show. So it, it gets you thinking. And you and I, in both of the shows that we did covering this in previous TV parties, definitely had some moral discussions and debates going on that were, uh, you know, the genesis of which came from watching these episodes. So let's get into it. Uh, our first episode is called Nosedive. It stars a heavier than the than she was in... Jurassic World, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, you know, she's looking a little thick in this episode, but I'll tell you, she's, look, she's looking good.
2: Yeah, um,
1: she, she, she ain't looking too bad. It also stars Alice Eve, James Norton, uh, and Cherry Jones. And the here's the description here. It says, In a society where one's social rating with others vastly influences their lives, a woman tries to approve her own rating to afford an ideal apartment by giving an appealing speech at her best friend's wedding. All right, so I don't want to belabor uh, the discussion by going over uh, by just drowning it in plot points, but uh, just a quick thing. Basically, she she and Bryce Dallas Howard and her brother are uh, they have to move, and she finds an apartment that she can't afford, but if she gets her social rating. High enough. Think about likes on, on Facebook. Basically, if her social rating is high enough, then she'll get a discount and she can live in this choice apartment. Um. So she, so she starts attempting to inflate her social standing by purposely five starring uh, other people with high rankings in order, you know, to get reciprocal. Uh. I'm gonna call them likes. reciprocal oh, likes. Yeah. Um it uh, it it ends up inspiring someone with a very high ranking to invite her to her wedding and be her maid of honor. <clears throat>
0: um
1: where, you know, by by where she'll be able to go to this wedding, there'll be other high pro high uh status people there. She'll get her ranking higher and all will end well.
2: Oh my gosh. This this it, episode uh, is just packed full of societal commentary, man. I'm oh yeah. You.
1: So uh, what ends up happening is it's it's the very bad it's the very bad, totally awful day. Um, it's you know on her her way to on her way to this wedding. It's just a comedy of errors, which you know little by little the veneer that this woman's built up to where she can participate in society in a. a Fraudulent, but <laughs> respectful and uh, polite manner is peeled away inch by inch to the point where there's just nothing but raw anger left. And of course, she, uh, she faces consequences and she is stripped of everything and left with nothing. Nothing but, nothing but the pure joy of yelling, fuck you, and the horse you rode in on at somebody sitting across <laughs> from them. The in pure, unadulterated joy <laughs> of saying "fuck you, you asshole" and uh, experiencing zero consequences for it. Yeah. Um So that is nosedive in a nutshell. So let's talk about it. Okay. You know, I was I was discussing this with my wife. Number one, there, there were I have to bring this up really quick. It's a slight little tangent, but what what is a religion broadcasting show without tangents? And, that's right. and old men yelling at and old men yelling at clouds. Um, <laughs> have you seen the episode of the Orville yet where they did the not exact yet. same thing? Okay. No,
2: I have not, but you, you are actually the second person that mentioned that. I heard I heard that mentioned from somebody else as well. So I've I've really got and they, they said it was it was done pretty well on there, so go ahead. It was. Um it it's essentially
1: Both Nosedive and that episode of the Orville, you have a society that is entirely based on your social standing to the point where um, you have a situation where not only does mob rule, but society sort of propped up fraudulently on fake persona. The Orville handled it a little bit differently but essentially, Nosedive and The Orville were both saying the same thing, that we are lurching towards a world where your online persona, uh, your, your f- fraudulent persona, is all that's going to be left of people. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, and, and this is what I was talking to my wife about, there's a tendency, using, again, Facebook as the medium, to put your... Best foot forward on Facebook hey here's and, and I do it too. I I ask, look, I don't take pictures of my house because it's usually in shambles, and it's not something i 'm particularly proud of, um, but I will take pictures you know of my of my son getting the medal at basketball, you know, or my daughter at swimming, or my wife and I on a date at Primus and you you can you know and you can absolutely give people the impression that you have one kind of life and you never give the other side of it right you don't <laughs> i mean some people do some people just facebook has become their online diary that they feel like they need to share with the world so it's you know <laughs> they get on there and it's no thought left behind everything is just vomited on the screen but most people carefully shape their image so that people will get a specific idea about who they are and how they live, and it's a lot of nonsense. And the authors of, b- of both of these stories seem to have been saying, and, they, and I'll shut up after this and let you jump in, seem to have been saying that we are sacrificing uh, the truth about ourselves to put forth an image of to put for, for, put forth this false image. To the point where all that's going to be left is the false image and people sort of uh, climbing over each other to present the most fakest, most uh, derived, the fakest, most bereft of personality uh, persona they can possibly come up with. It's going to be a nation of, of, of Hallmark cards. And that's it (laughs) with with, with passion dead in the ground.
2: Yeah. You you know, when you see, I mean, in this particular episode, every, almost everybody's got to try and have that. They've got to live up to the image that they want to put out there. So you talk about everybody's image on Facebook right now. And this takes it a step further where society feels that they have to live up to that image that they put on there. Everything's got to be perfect. Okay, well, and then, and then not only that, but there's that dark, really dark, and, and I know you, you had to have picked up on this, that dark, seedy underbelly of where you depend upon the other person's opinion of you. Right. That is, that is, I think, the only, most vilest thing of the whole of this whole concept. Only
1: two, only two stars. Well, it wasn't a meaningful encounter.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, at some point, society is going to break, where you know, the, or at least parts of it is going are going to break down, and you're going to have a whole. There's got to be stuff out there right now where. Doctors are studying the effects of this specific uh, th- th- this specific phenomena. Code, what's that? Yeah, thank you. Phenomena that's going on a- across social media where people are, uh, you know, you're dependent upon that. Like, you're checking to see you okay. Like she did in the program where she took a picture of her of her stuffed animal, and she set her phone down. Work for like two seconds and then look back over at her phone, waiting for that like, waiting for that right. validation. You know, uh, and yeah, people are going to break down at some point because they cannot keep that facade up. They just can't keep going at this full bore. My life is perfect. My life is perfect, and then you hope to impress somebody else so that your social status will continue to climb. I mean, that's I. That's not just a social media thing. That's a that's a complete personal thing as well. People, people have done that since the dawn of time, trying to impress, the, you know, keep up with the Joneses and try to impress other people. But right. now things are just turning to where it's, you know, it's having an effect. And it's neat to see how the people who don't give a shit in this episode, uh, their rating is like a 1, 1. 1.7. Or something like that, and oh, they can't get the credit that they, you know, they can't get into the fast lane to get through the line. Uh, they, you know, Dude, the one guy
1: couldn't get to his job. Je- the one guy's rating dropped where he couldn't get into his job, like the door wouldn't yeah, open.
2: the door wouldn't open. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we are going to ever get to that point to where we are able to base societal functions, you know, jobs and, and credit and stuff like that. Based. There's already a credit rating. I mean, we know that, uh, that that's something that exists and that's all based sometimes just based upon possible mistakes that you've made in the past. I remember when I first watched this, you know, a year back or, or, you know, less than a year back. And I was like, you know, this is a great allegory for the credit rating system as well. Uh, there was just so much packed into this, and when she flips her shit, man, oh, uh, you know, I was – the only thing that I didn't like, which I can't recall if this happened or not, but, you know, when she shows up at her friend's wedding after her friend told her not to come and be maid of honor uh, – because her rating had dropped so much, and you can't be among the fours, you can't be among the four point eights with that. No way. Uh, but her rating, her rating had dropped so much, and then she was like, "No, you know what? Screw it. I'm going, and I'm going to give you my speech. I've just went through this day of hell. I'm coming there, and you're going to deliver it." But I just didn't feel like her quote unquote best friend from uh, you know years past did not get her comeuppance. I, I was hoping I would like to have seen her rating drop. A few, just so she could have felt some type of justice, but I felt that was kind of uh, that was kind of that that was kind of missed. But regardless, the episode itself, man, geez, was packed with a bunch of stuff.
1: Couple of things I want to bring up. When you said the dark underbelly, where I thought you were headed with that was how it doesn't take anything. It it takes almost nothing for the world oh. to turn on you. Wow. You know, the, We're watching that unfold right now. How prejudiced people can be! I mean, think about the situation with the coworker who was giving out the smoothies. Him and his girlfriend broke up. It's a private matter. If if I remember correctly, that that was the detail. It was like there was a breakup, and was like no, we're all taking her side. So everyone's down. So so he isn't really doing anything wrong, and it's a private matter between him and this girl. And let's take let's take the rating system out of it for a second. You know, in real life. People will talk shit about somebody and be like, oh, well, you know, Joe is bad, but, but, you know, but Sarah is good. And, you know, and and then, you know, Joe walks in the room and everyone's just like, hum, hum, you know, that sort of thing. Now you attach the ability to affect someone's life to that. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, you know, it, and, it's it's, it's it, he can't even just do his job and work. He has to worry, you know, about people who have no stake in this and can just ruin a man's life because they can
2: and the continual piling on it becomes exponential because you don't want and yeah you know there's a good example i just saw recently a friend of the show adam runyon who uh, over there on screaming boy he shared a photo of a reddit article okay and we're bringing the rating back, rating system back into this because that's all Reddit is: upvotes and downvotes. And he, this EA, this article was about EA, EA video games, and how they did a real crappy thing. Now, granted, some of the stuff that they did probably warranted some people to bitch about it, but this comment that an EA—I don't know if it was the comment or the story—I think it was a comment made by EA—got over three hundred and fifty thousand. Close to 350,000 as of yesterday, downvotes. Here's the thing, I don't, I don't do Reddit a, a whole lot. I, I get on there, I have an account and all that, but I don't, I don't do a whole lot of voting up, down, or up or down, whatever. But I guarantee you, because he shared that, somebody else saw that and said, you know what? Boom, piling on, and they go in there and downvote it just because they were upset. And the only reason they knew about it was because somebody shared it on social media. Uh, so. It, there, there, there's another aspect to the power of social media and the echo chamber, I guess you would say, and, and is there a term for, I'm looking for the term, I keep saying piling on, but I mean, I don't know if there's anything else to aptly describe it other than to just follow somebody else's lead or, you know, immediately jump on it be, just because one friend said something was, you know, something was wrong with it. Um, well, let, let, let's look at the
1: Ghostbusters everything. remake. This the oh Ghostbusters boy. remake, the all-female <laughs> Ghostbusters remake, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, just really quickly, that's that's a really great example of of uh, this sort of thing in illustration in real life. So they made a Ghostbusters movie, they released a trailer, um, x amount of people downvoted the trailer, and and if you really want to understand how pr- percentage-wise very little people actually had this massive effect on the Ghostbusters marketing, campaigning, and everything else. Watch the Red Letter Media uh, guys explain the numbers uh, for Ghostbusters. It's hilarious. Because basically what they said was a fraction of the audience, a very small percentage of the audience, downvoted the trailer, and it caused Sony to... Essentially, brand the movie as you know as, like a, you know as like feminist propaganda, and that anyone who didn't like it was anti-woman. Jeez. Instead of just marketing the movie, okay. <laughs> Instead of saying here are four great comedians, three of which I think are on we're, were at one point on SNL, you know, and one is probably the leading comedic woman uh, in Hollywood. Who's you know who's have about half of her films I think have done extraordinarily well for that for that genre and in really in celebrating it it became if you don't like Ghostbusters you're a man child who lives in his mama's basement. This was based on a, on an infinitesimal number of people not liking the video not liking the trailer on YouTube. Wow. Um. But uh, I want to. I mean, I remember telling my wife, like, you know, between the Orville and Nosedive, this impression in Hollywood that this is where our society is going. All right, calm the fuck down. We're not throwing out the entire legal system, you know, and, and adopting Facebook likes as a, you know, if, if you have, if you don't have a lot of likes, you're going to get executed. You know, we're not headed in that direction. For no. God's sakes, um. But the other thing was, you know, every one of these episodes in Season 3 affected me differently, you, you know, to very little, to to a lot where I got very emotional. And I would say this episode um, was kind of met until it got to the part where she meets the truck driver in the u Schlep oh, yeah. truck, which I thought was really funny. Uh, good old u Schlepp. <laughs> and she's telling the story of... Why she eventually gave up and just didn't care anymore, and it was about how her husband missed out on a vital cancer treatment by a fraction of a point um, in his in his social rating, uh, and and you know for for very personal reasons which I don't need to get into I, you know to take a drink everybody I had cancer this year okay so. <laughs> that story itself. I mean, that could, that could easily not necessarily the exact same way it's told in the story, but that could easily be me. You know, my insurance doesn't cover, there's a new uh, procedure for dealing with lymphoma. And if I end up having a remission, that's something I want to talk to the doctors about, but unless it's covered by my insurance, I probably won't be able to get it. And it's, you know, and it's back to, you know, it's back to chemo again and all, you know, and all this other stuff. So, you know, that, that, that it's fine that it's in the episode. I mean, it just affected me personally. It was hard to hear that story.
2: Um, the, but overall, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we had a discussion yesterday when we were recording about how out of control us as me, you Ronnie Adams, we were, uh, in certain situations, um, because somebody else is making a decision that we have no input on. All right. The story that you just shared there is almost, I mean, is another prime example of that. You know, let's just say, you know, you, you applied for something uh, to try and get some kind of a treatment, but there's ultimately some, it's your livelihood and how you're going to continue your life is based upon somebody else making a decision saying, yes, we cover that. No, we don't. And right. to tie that back in with the episode, it's very it's very prevalent there. This lady, as in control as she appears to be, is completely dependent upon somebody else saying, Oh, that was a meaningful encounter. Five five stars or two stars. It it Double reminds damage. me
1: of it reminds me of the Simpsons episode. And I don't remember what the context was, but there's a reason why Homer can't flip out. You know, and he's and he's just like Oh no, that's very bad. And like at one point he like steps on a nail and he's just holding everything back and he's like Philly That <laughs> would require a tetanus shot. <laughs> it's you know, rage, fear, sadness these are not great emotions, these are negative emotions, but they're a vital part of the human experience. In a situation yeah. like this, as the story tells us is is in effect dehumanizing society. And the the brother in the episode basically meant, says that you used to be a real person. We used to have conversations. You've become a, you've become like a stepford zombie person. <laughs> um. Any last thoughts on Nose before we move on to probably I thought it was my least favorite of the bunch. Playtest. Oh.
2: <laughs> I kind of wondered how you would. Uh... Lean on on that one. Um, No, I think you put it perfectly, man. Uh, The dehumanization of society just just because we're putting on a a facade or a show or a fake face, uh, you know that's that's easily the best way to sum this this episode up. I I I really like this one. It was it was up there for my top uh, episodes of the season. We only got six to cover, so uh, you know Mm -hmm. this was up there probably top half for sure.
1: One last thing I want to say about this. I went to go see Primus um Friday night Primus and th- indeed, you know they can't <laughs> all be singers. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had seats at the Hard Rock in Orlando because uh, we're old, and a father and his son, who were on vacation from Boston, I think he said, happened to they 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 were they were at the uh, the one over the summer when it was an evening with clutch and Primus. Um, and they were vacationing in Florida, like you do. And they happened to see that Primus was also was playing doing another evening with Joe just by themselves. Uh, so they decided to get tickets on a lark. They left the wife and the other brother at home, and they came in and saw the show. And we got to talking for a little bit in between sets and you know and whatnot. And I mentioned, of course, that I have a podcast where I review heavy metal albums. And he was like, "Hey, I listen to podcasts. I need to listen to more. I don't know what's good out there. Why don't you tell me the name of your podcast? And I was like, okay, we'll just look up Rattlage, um, and whatever podcast app you use, and you'll find it. I'm the only one. <laughs> and, and a few minutes later, I kind of looked over at my wife, and I'm just like, I don't know if I should have done that. And she's like, why? And I'm like, and I'm like, because when I'm on the show, you know, we, we, you know, it it never feels like a show as such. It does feel a little bit like I can, I can unzip and let my hair down and be free because I can talk to you and I can talk to Robert and uh, I don't have a lot of the social constraints on me that I would have, say, at work or at my in-laws or even with my parents to a certain degree. you know I have all these places where I have a lot of social interaction, but I can't be me. I'll have to go to human resources. You know, or I will upset somebody (laughs) as I have done in the past and it will not end well for me. But I can get on this podcast and I can just let it all fly and we have fun and we laugh. And occasionally Jesse's going, what fucking podcast am I on? How did I get wrapped up with this nonsense? Um, But but I, I looked over at her and I was just like, you know... When I'm on the show itself, it doesn't feel like I'm saying anything. I feel like I'm just being funny. We're all being funny, and I don't necessarily think about the consequences of what I'm saying until I, until I tell somebody in real life about it, and I'm mortified by the, by, by the thought they might actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> you know, and, and here's some of the shit we have said on The Metal Hammer of Doom. Like, Um, I'm pulling on my collar at this point. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you you heard of the Bruce Prichard show? Maybe you should listen to that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I kind of, I, I do know where you're coming from there. It's funny because it's, you know, you're afraid of being judged for being real. And in all honesty, we never should be. We should not be afraid of that because what do they always say? Honesty is the best policy. But Mm -hmm. when you have the judgment that was being passed by everybody and it affected in this episode and it affected Mm -hmm. so much of your life. So, yeah, it's tough to put yourself out there because somebody you don't know who that person is. You don't know what they're going to think. And it's it's a scary, scary thing to be yourself. And somebody actually see that what that is. Are they going to like me? Or are they not going to like me? You want somebody to love you for who you are. That's what you want. That's what you should want. That's what you should try to do. And but it's a scary, scary thing. So I feel you, man. Yeah. You know, I sit here sometimes and I I share the episodes and I'm like, I really hope my mom does not click on this some night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: like the like somebody. I, oh, like I told you somebody somebody at my job you know a a law enforcement official listened to our cradle of filth episode, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed! <laughs> <laughs> I know what I said on that
0: show, what do you oh God
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tune in tomorrow for masterpiece Theater here on Rattling and broadcasting network where we where we put the ass in class oh yeah all right, um. Let's move on to Playtest, which was basically a horror movie boiled down to Yes, wild. it was.
0: Yes, it was. Um,
1: in short, we have a, a guy who uh, is traveling the world. He, he His last stop is merry old England. Um, he, for some odd reason, runs out of money, which they never really explained how that happened. Um, and he needs to make some money quick. So he volunteers for a beta test of this virtual reality game which uh, the whole concept is is it's based on your fears. So it's, it's a haunted house virtual reality that learns about what scares you personally and then uh, produces those things in this haunted house. And it's one of those dream within a dream within a dream scenarios that ultimately ends with his mother, whom he had been avoiding, calling and causing the game to malfunction and ultimately killing him. Yeah. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell.
2: It really doesn't have, there is not much of a societal commentary here in any way. Uh, they just use some neat technological tricks to tell a neat story about, you know, some of the cutting edge technology may, you know, we may be on the cusp of something like that. I don't know, but, um, I'm sure there is some stuff that they could probably somebody could probably show you in in some kind of experimental setting where they've you know tapped into somebody's brain and did some weird stuff uh by something like that, but you know you're right it was a horror movie um I think though what was my favorite part you said about how or you talked about how it was learning what you're real fears were and then that game produced those fears and it starts out just kind of like you know you're a resident evil type setting or something where it's a house and it's empty and it's kind of you know you may is it going to be haunted what's going on but in the very end and i you know i'll give you a 10 second spoiler alert make it five seconds five four three two one at the very end, his real fear, the reason why he left you know, left the United States and went on the trip was the fact that he had to deal with his dad passing from Alzheimer's, um, and he couldn't deal with the fact that he was living with his mom, who obviously needed his comfort and his companionship there after his father's death, but he couldn't deal with it like that. And what happens at the end of the video game, quote-unquote, is that he starts losing his own memories and becomes a victim of Alzheimer's. And then, after what was it, 0.014 seconds of playing the game, he, we yeah. snap back to reality and he's dead. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think that's what's neat about it is they're like, okay, well, here's your, here's some basic fears: you spiders, the bully that you had from sixth grade or whatever. But then at the end, the end game is, like, really, it's dug into his head and figured out what he really fears. Um, and I, it was an enjoyable episode. I really liked it just because the horror aspect had me, like, on edge. And I, I, I don't know, who does it say who the actor was?
1: Um, I, We're going to go I with uh, Wyatt Russell.
2: I know, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen this guy before. I don't know if he's played in anything else, but I think he did scared shitless. A damn good. <laughs> he, he did a damn good, scared shitless. <laughs> so, uh, h-
1: here's what I'll tell you: it, it, the critical elements were all very good. It shot well. Uh, the story unfolds nicely. It's a great, scary Twilight Zone idea. I it, it did not touch me at all personally. I don't think it asked any moral or societal questions. Yeah. And it not. was just there. It was honestly the least effective episode of the entire season for me.
2: I, I think the neatest part was about the whole, you know, logging and trying to tap into somebody's brain uh, mm-hmm. with a computer. And I'm sure you've had, I, I mean, I don't know. Some people dream, some people don't. But there'll be times that I will fall asleep and I swear I have like you know, this epic three part dream or something and wake up and be like, Oh my gosh, I've had to have slept for like three hours and look over and it's only been 20 minutes. Yeah, uh, it's interesting how your brain works like that. And we watched this whole thing unfold in an hour, but then at the end it was real. In reality, it was only like, you know, a fraction of a second. Uh, so it, I think they kind of do a neat spin and, and kind of throw that in there too. We don't know how the brain works. Uh, and we're just learning as, as we go along still to this day, it's 2017. We're learning more and more about the brain. Uh, but, and then we start playing with it and start shoving technology into it. It's not, it's not a good, uh, it's not a good equation sometimes.
1: <laughs> no. Um, and i tell you what, if there was any, you know, overarching societal question in this, it's simply, you know, is this the sort of thing we really want? Is a, totally immersive virtual reality setting really good for us. Um, you know, especially one that wreaks this much havoc on your, on your brain. I'm going to the mm. answer is no, <laughs>
2: you know, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think in our lifetime, we won't have to worry about that, but I could see possibly our kids running into something like that at some point.
1: Uh, the next one is shut up and dance. And this was, I think this plot was actually a movie at some point where it, it's the old, uh, you're caught in a game where an anonymous person or persons are sending you instructions, and if you don't follow the instructions, something bad's going to happen. Uh, in this particular case, uh, our, our main protagonist was caught uh, jerking off in front of his computer. They have a video of it, and it's like, if you don't do what we tell you, we're going to send it to all your contacts. And along the way, he meets others who have done terribly naughty things, and they've all been given similar instructions to do, uh, in some cases, some very weird, unexplainable things. Uh, essentially, the whole, the whole arc is that um, one guy had to bake a cake and put inside the cake a gun, an unloaded gun, though we don't know that at the time, a gun, glasses, and a hat, and deliver it to our protagonist, who then has to pick up a second person one of which will be the driver, the other of which will be the bank robber. Um, and then later, the, one, of which will, one person will, will destroy the car that was actually left by a first person. I should bring that up. Um, <laughs> has to go destroy the car. And our protagonist then has to take the money into the woods where he meets a final person who he has to fight to the death and then whoever, and then whoever wins the fight wins the money. That's how this all breaks down. What, uh, what you find out through the course of the episode is that uh, you ha- we have a CEO who has committed some sort of fraud. We have an unfaithful husband who tried to uh, hook up with a prostitute. Our protagonist beat off to kitty porn, and the guy that he has to fight at the end of the episode also looked at kitty porn. I don't know what the guy who baked the cake did. Um, It wasn't particularly clear to me, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, and I I even read the wiki and it was just like, you see everyone facing the consequences. So in the end, none of them escaped punishment. They all, uh, even though they followed the instructions and did what they were told, uh, they all had to face the consequences of their misdeeds. And, uh, you know, I said this to my wife after I watched it, I was just like, I, I thought it was an entertaining episode and certainly... You know, you know the twist at the end. You know the kids beating off the kitty porn. Like, okay, what's the message here? Don't be naughty online, right? Check, got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stop trying well, to meet the prostitutes online. Stop looking at <laughs> kitty porn online. You know, just d- don't don't steal. Okay. Like, <laughs> is this? Are we this bad off as a society that we need this thing, this sort of warning to not be shitty people?
2: No kidding. No kidding. What I would say about this one is that this is probably the realest of all six. I Mm can legitimately see this one happening. Uh, As I was, you know, as as we're watching it, you know, at first I'm like, oh, crap, his sister had his laptop and – you know, I was like, he's got a virus, and of course it's you know some malicious virus because she was watch, trying to watch movies for free on there, and I'm like, oh dude, you got a virus, you're you're in trouble now. And he he goes through all the steps that probably something like I would do. Oh, you got to go get the, the 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 virus cleaner and get take care of your computer and blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden, you know, he gets the message, and everything that there was not really too many points in this episode where I was like, okay that that couldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. I really, yeah, it's all see, very like, believable. Yeah. Very believable. Uh, and then at the end, they do a great way of you're pulling for this kid. And even though you knew what he did, because they show that, well, you do show all of it, but I mean, he, you know, he unzips his pants, brings his pants down, grabs the tissue. And then well, he
1: didn't do anything wrong. Uh, at least you don't know what you, you don't assume know. That. He's That's looking right. At, right. Yeah. Yeah, you assume he's looking at good old-fashioned legal porn.
2: That's and, right. And and, and
1: and like and who doesn't jerk off in front of their computer? And so right, you <laughs> you feel for the kid. And then what a twist. He's a scumbag.
2: Yes. Yes, you're pulling for the kid even after the fight to the death. And you're like, well, this kid's dead. I mean, the other guy had like a good 6 inches on him, and I'm talking about height here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, they're perverts, but <laughs> we're not going there. Uh <laughs> the, the other dude was like 40 and, you know, big dude. And I'm like, he's not living this one. He's not living this one out. You know, this kid's dead. And then you see him walking home. He's beat up and bloody. I'm like, holy shit, he's still alive. And then all of a sudden the cops roll up. His phone rings and his mom starts giving him hell about what he did. And I'm like, right. oh, dude, it had me hook, line, and sinker. That's all I got to say. I remember watching this with my wife and I just – it was one of them – Jaw drop, look over, and then, oh my gosh, what the fuck! So I really <laughs> like this get,
1: one. Did you get the look from your wife about you better never try to get a prostitute? You, <laughs> you, Jesse, you. <laughs>
2: uh she she would have anonymous on me in like two seconds. I'd be getting doxxed <laughs> and all that bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like I, I really like this one. I thought this one had the the most believable, for sure, plot that. I could see this happening tomorrow. There wasn't really anything too fantastic. It's just you got to find a group of motivated people that really want to do something like that, and that's not too hard to find nowadays. You know, I, I, I talked about it with my wife, like I said before, and she was like, yeah, that's actually
1: happening, where hackers are getting into people's computers and taking over their camera and seeing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 just one of those dangers of, you know, living in – this computerized society that we live in, but, you know, it is, it is definitely, I mean, if if you really want to get into naughty business online, you're going to do it regardless of the warnings. But, you know, I, you know, I got the message loud and clear. Don't be a scumbag. (laughs) Not that that I was entertaining any of these things, but, you know, in case I, you know, in case I started to go off the beaten path, yep, got it. Don't fuck around online just just go to Vegas and get a normal prostitute. <laughs> stop trying to do stop trying it's to legal. Do shit online.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: Outside of Vegas uh, prostitution, yes. That,
2: that's right. That's right.
1: And obviously don't look at kitty born. No excuses. <laughs> no excuses.
2: Mark, no you, excuses. you probably get all sorts of sickos in there all the time you gotta deal with. I don't even want to I d I Let can't even say- imagine.
1: So let me tell you something. If you collect uh kitty porn pictures, you and you are found out, you are you are discovered. They will charge you per picture.
0: Oh wow. So get,
1: yeah. So we get people who get hundreds of charges for possession of child pornography.
2: Jeez.
1: Yeah, and they're, you know I remember working at not the county jail I currently work in, but the county uh, next county over. When I worked there a few years ago, I remember there was this guy who was medically complex and very old, like he was in his eighties, I think. And he was going to get a light. He was going to spend the rest of his life, which what little of it there was left, in prison, because you know he got charged with looking at uh, kiddie porn. Several, you know. Hunt, hunt to tens of hundreds of pictures or whatever it was that he did, and I remember like so. What happened here? I remember doing an assessment with him and you know and everything else, and he was like, "I just looked at pictures. I, I didn't even know it was illegal,"
2: which I could believe. He was fucking eighty. You yeah, know? I was gonna say eighty years old. There's there's a disconnect sometimes. A lot of times when mm-hmm. in that between that technological age and and just you know kind of paying I, attention I'm to a loss for the laws and stuff. Guy. I,
1: I, yeah. I want to be clear about that. I'm not sticking up for the guy. I'm, there's no excuses for it. Um, you know, looking whether whether you knew it was wrong or not, it's still kiddie porn. It's still wrong. Yeah. But you know, but but that but that's what happens. Is people there is that disconnect? Not just if you're 80, but you know, with, there's a lot of people just like I never touched a kid. I just looked at the pictures. Yeah, but the the point of it is. is, is, that if you participate in the marketplace you are perpetuating the continuing of that crime
2: mhm you know what i mean yep yep that's scary it's it's a scary thought and 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 yeah like i said it, i i don't know where to go from here <laughs> Go to the next episode, <laughs> I guess. We ended on a bummer yeah, I mean, like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let me, here, I, I will I
1: will say this. I found the episode more entertaining than Playtest, but I didn't find, like, the moral of the story to be particularly compelling. I get, once again, don't be shitty online. Got it. <laughs> Move it on. <laughs> now, this next one was my favorite episode of the season. Oh, yeah. This is San Junipero. Um. It's, it's, first of all, I love the music in this. I love the aesthetic. Uh, I love the story. But I thought the moral question that it asked, the moral religious question that it asked, was an interesting one. And I found myself like almost gushing talking about it with my wife uh, the, the night that I watched this. Because we, we went out and had dinner. so We actually had time to like, talk like adults. Um, but uh, San Junipero is about... Um, about a gal who's in the '80s, I think it's like '87, and she goes into a club and she meets another gal, and they strike up a friendship. And little by little, uh, the first gal is um, coming is, is essentially coming out and exploring her sexuality, and and um, while the second girl is a willing participant. you know, in a sexual relationship, she is not willing to commit to any sort of long-term relationship with this gal. And what you end up finding out over the course of the episode is that this isn't really 1987 and, and these are our avatars in a virtual space. Uh, The first gal is actually a quadriplegic who came out to her parents in her like late teens, early twenties, uh, her parents freaked because they were super religious. She left the house, got into a car accident and crippled herself. And she has been living in essentially a nursing home, uh, that, uh, now, you know, she's lived long enough to see the rise of the singularity. And she is able to upload her consciousness into this virtual space a couple of hours a week. Um, And the second girl is uh, is somebody who was married and had a daughter. The daughter died at the age of 39. She did not live long enough to see the rise of this virtual reality. The husband died, and here's where the plot thickens. When the husband died, he had the option. uh, He did live long enough to see this come into being, and he did not opt to upload his consciousness into San Junipero because he wanted to be with his daughter, who he believed to be in heaven. And so, and so the, the crux of the matter is uh, the second girl whose name is, I believe, Kelly. Uh, Kelly has to make a decision as to, you know, will she uh, – there, there are two things going on. Let me explain one part of this, and then I can go back to Kelly again. So Mackenzie Davis, is, is, who plays the, the avatar of the first, of the first woman – um. again, she is a quadriplegic, she can hear you but she can't respond and her family is still uh, you know, I can't remember the woman's name, but this is the, if you'll remember uh, back in the Bush administration there was the woman who was a a quadriplegic and the husband wanted to uh, pull the plug and end her life, but the family stopped him and there was this huge battle on TV and people were trying, you know, people were convinced that her brain hadn't turned to tapioca and were trying to, like, bring her water and shit. And the husband's like, no, she's basically fucking brain dead, you idiots. You know, and Sean Hannity was, you know, was just like, can't she just have some water? And the husband's
2: like, no, she can't, you assholes.
1: Um, You remember this at all?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. I I remember that clearly going... I wish I could remember the name of it because the name was so prominent in the headlines, but I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: It was a huge euthanasia issue. Um, well, they, well that, 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 that is the sort of political issue of this episode, is that you have this woman who will never, will never live a normal life and hasn't lived a normal life for decades because she became a quadriplegic in, the, in her 20s, you know, late teens, early 20s. Um, and she wants to end her life and upload her consciousness permanently into San Junipero. And her family won't let her. So there's an orderly that's going to you know, offer to marry her so that they can sort of you know, find you know, the loophole in the law that will allow her to be euthanized, which is her, which is her dying wish. So there's that. Um, so she's going to live in this virtual space forever. Now you have Kelly, who somewhere you know, in, in her heart of hearts does love uh, the Mackenzie Phillips character. Mackenzie Davis, rather, the Mackenzie Davis character, but also has an allegiance to her dead husband and her daughter. And, you know, she wants to be with them and, and, and honor the memory of her husband who made, the, who made the consciously made the choice to not go to San Junipero. On the other hand, she's missing out on, possibly missing out on this opportunity to spend eternity with this other woman whom she loves. And so it's what do you do, you know, do you, do you follow your religious instincts? Do you, you know, do you go with your heart? You know, it's, 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 it's a very interesting episode and a very interesting choice you has to make. And then there's this sort of esoteric question of when life is infinite, it has no meaning. What is, what is the purpose of life? If there are no consequences to your actions, you know a virtual space is just that—it's a life without consequences that goes on forever. And at some point, Kelly makes the statement that you know living in San Junipero for the rest, you know, for eternity, for as long as the programming is, is, exists and there's electricity running to the to the uh, to the mainframe, you start to wonder what, what am I supposed to do with myself? And she's like, you know, well, what am I supposed to be? One of those people, and there's a club called the Quagmire, which is basically like a BDSM club where people are doing all kinds of fetishes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and she's like, you know, doing, letting God knows what happened to you just so you feel something. Yeah, you know, that's a real, I thought that was a really interesting question. When you have, you know, the meaning of life for us mere mortals comes down to you've only got so much time on this planet. Make the most of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what if you? But what if you were going to live forever? What if it didn't matter anymore? What if no matter what you did, you know, whether it's you throw yourself off a hundred foot building, you know, or you did all the cocaine, you know, or you, you know, you walked around naked and ha- you know, and and, and had se- and fucked that pig. What if you just <laughs> fucked that pig? None of it matters. None of it matters. Life life is in life has no consequences. Life has no natural barriers. Um, I I thought that there were some very. I thought this was a very deep philosophical episode, and you know, I also like I said, I go. I want to go back to the aesthetic for a moment. It has a lightness to it. You know, it's, it's a love story between these two women. Essentially, you know, this woman who never got to explore her sexuality. She died a virgin. Um, essentially, and you know she gets to experience all that in this virtual space. you know i I really adored this episode. It's my favorite of the season. i, I just thought it was great, you know, and at the end spoilers, at the end of it, Kelly makes the decision to upload her consciousness to San Junipero, and you know they they have an opportunity there to to live out to live out their existence together. And I was like, that was sweet. It's one of the old, it's one of the few Black Mirror episodes that doesn't end in a horrifying mess.
2: Yeah. It. This was one I didn't have the opportunity to go back and revisit. I watched this one completely with my wife about a year or so ago. I started it again over the weekend, and then something came up to where I got about a half hour through it and wasn't able to get all the way uh, finished with it. But yeah, I remember it having quite the effect on me when we first watched it. Um, One of the things that, I mean, philosophically or whatever you want to say, uh, I can remember as a kid, I was probably, you know, 11 or 12. And I consider myself a Christian. I was brought up like that, believed in God, believed in heaven. Uh, But I remember the question entered my mind. And I asked, I remember one of the most religious people that I ever I ever I still consider her the most religious person that I know. Uh, it was my my friend's mom. I said, "Well, if we go to heaven, okay, you know, and and there's no, you know, there's no evil, there's no care in the world, uh, everybody's happy. Well, you know, what's going to be? What's really going to be the point after a while? You know, you, you, without something." Some type of a conflict, or some type of a, you know, some kind of something to challenge you in the world. Uh, I didn't understand how you could just be happy all day long, and 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 no matter what. Uh, And what, Kelly, the the white girl here?
1: No, Kelly is the black girl.
2: Kelly's a black girl. Okay, so Yorkie. Right. So Yorkie's Yorkie's situation here. Is she has to she's given the opportunity now to spend the rest of her what she perceives as her conscious consciousness. and I can't remember, do they explain like her body dies, but her just her consciousness lives on? Did they explain anything else other than just that, okay, we'll upload you into this and perceivably your consciousness it's just is it a duplicate of their consciousness? I assume it's got to be, right? Uh, uh, I don't even remember them getting uh, into that. Uh, they you really know, didn't like explain
1: they, the science of it. It's just okay. your, 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 the essence of your consciousness is uploaded into the system, and your body is whatever.
2: Okay. Well, then, you know, what's the issue? <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> your body dies, then your body dies. And it goes, uh, your mind or your spirit would go to where it is belongs. It's supposed to go if you believe in that. She wants to be with her husband and her daughter. So she obviously believes that they went somewhere. Um, but there's always that question, did they? So if it's just a copy of her consciousness or whatever and they put her into this machine really there's she's getting if she she shouldn't have had to worry about staying in the digital San Junipero because her her body's moved on uh but i think where the real quandary comes in is or at least one of the one of the questions comes in is are you are you doing a disservice to your your husband and your daughter by not being with them And knowing, even though you may be a copy of somebody or a copy of the consciousness, knowing that you'll never see them again. Uh, So, again, I may be taking it to a level that really it doesn't need to go, But because I'm looking at the science behind it as well. And they really do not go into that, just like you said. They do not go into that very much at all, from what I can remember. Uh, But... (sighs) You know, I don't want to downplay, obviously, the stuff that they talked about in this episode. And the fact that I may not have watched it again may be factoring into why I didn't uh, uh, why I didn't get, you know, why this probably didn't make my top three. But it sucks to have to try and make decisions like that because you don't know. You really don't. And that's exactly what she, she doesn't know what's on the other side. She has no idea. If she... Is she doing some kind of a, a damning action by keeping herself alive in this in, in this computer or whatever? Um, but so real, it, 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 do real you, quick, do you think it's no? Go ahead.
1: So this episode actually won all kinds of awards. It won um, a BAFTA Television Craft Award for Best Makeup and Hair Design, Best Costume Design. It won. Uh. The IGN Awards for Best TV Episode, the Glad Media Award for Outstanding Individual Episode in a Series wow. with a Regular LGBT Character, um, and it won two Primetime Emmy Awards: one for Outstanding Television Movie, and one for Outstanding Writing for a Limited Movie or Dramatic Special.
2: That's impressive. That's really yep. impressive. And yes, we're talking is. the same. We're talking the same writer. I think the same writer did. You know, all of most of. Uh, wow did he do all this season
1: He did all of them name?
2: He did all of them Yeah uh, Yeah I mean <laughs> it. Mark you always talk about Wanting to upload your consciousness Wanting to upload your consciousness And I think you've said And I don't know if you Were or, or just being funny or, or if you actually meant it But you, you're like on board for that No matter fucking what right
1: Yeah I don't want to die I, I want to live forever. I will, you and know, life is, li- the meaning of life is what you make it. And while I found the questions interesting about, you know, I, I think, I think the people who ended up in the quagmire lacked imagination. Um, I, I the, the thought of dying, the thought of just not, you know, if you go to sleep, right? And you never just lose time. <laughs> it's just, you know, like I was watching. Um, we're gonna talk about it a little bit. I was watching Hated in the Nation, and I and last night especially, I kept drifting off, and I would just lose like minutes, you know, at a time. Um, you know, you go to sleep at night, and on the one hand, it this it, is well, it's rest, it's where your body repairs itself. But think about that when you're in a deep sleep, not not in a dream state, and not in a, not in that half asleep where. You're, you know, you're not up, but you're, you're semi-conscious. I'm talking, I'm talking the nothing, the kind of sleep where hours are going by and you don't, you're, you're not conscious of anything. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. when I, uh, when I was in surgery at the beginning of the year, um, one minute I was awake and the next minute it was the next day.
2: <laughs> it's like nothing happened in between that one second, and it's been yeah. hours. Yeah,
1: and it yep. and it's 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 frightening to me. You know the cons. You know I understand where 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 some people are like I'm ready to die. I've lived a long life. Okay, you also didn't have any choice in the matter, and people are people are exhausted. Be- bodies are giving out. It sucks to grow old. Uh you know, in, in terms of your, your physical well being. So I get the concept of I've lived eighty to hundred years, my body hurts, everything hurts, my life is about going to doctors. I am ready to pass on. But what if you didn't have to, and what if there was no pain? You know, if I could upload my consciousness into a virtual place where I live in a world of avengers. You know, and I could be an avenger. Why why wouldn't I?
2: All right. Now, let's stop and put yourself in the situation here like this this lady here. If if Melissa had passed on before you and didn't have the opportunity to do that, what are you going to do?
1: I don't believe in heaven.
2: Okay. Then your answers going to be the same.
1: I probably would make the decision that Kelly made. My body would be buried alongside of hers and my consciousness would be uh, uploaded to um Asgard.
2: <laughs> You've got your choice, sir. Where would you like to go? We got Asgard. <laughs> we have uh you know, some random spaceship. Uh yeah. Well, It does it does po- I think the most interesting question out of, out of this episode is you know, it's her Wanting to possibly see her husband. Well, I can't even say that. It's the fact that she knows she will go on without seeing her husband and her daughter in this yeah. in this world. That's where it hurts to know if she's going to stay here and always have that in the back of her mind. Uh, and mm. it'd be a tough it'd be a tough decision to make. Yep.
1: All right, let's uh, move this along here. We've got about 20 minutes left of live time. Time's a-wasting. Time's a-wasting. Man Against Fire. Uh, this is very simple. We have a private army that is hunting mutants um, with, the, with the use of an implant that they have in their mind that, it gives, that helps them target and gives them schematics. What they don't know is that it's also making them see their targets as monsters when, in fact, they are just regular humans. And what this episode is really about is eugenics. Um, mm-hmm. At some point in the not-so-distant future, we start to take the measure of people based on their DNA, and we deem some of them unworthy. Those unworthy people are are dehumanized and called roaches, and then we hire... Uh, and then we have... Soldiers for hire, mercenaries, if you will, um, go and kill them. Cleanse so the, the
0: bloodline.
1: So cleanse yeah. the bloodline. This is as Nazi an episode as you get. Yeah, it. You know, and <laughs> and I and I found that entertaining. And I and I, it, it, you know, you know, Jesse. Oh uh, no, <laughs>
2: boy, here we go. <laughs>
1: I work at an environment where, as I'm often reminded by my in-laws, we deal with the worst of the worst, which I think is a bit of an overstatement. People sometimes people just make mistakes; it doesn't make them bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, we are dealing with truly horrendous people in a correctional institution, and not. And it can become. And while well, you know the. The motif here is care, custody, and control, and people do attend to those things. And you know, there's the joke of we're a kinder, gentler jail now. Um, When you talk to the people that work in there, whether it's law enforcement or medical, you 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 come across a lot of Nazi philosophy. You know, we need to just get rid of these people. They offer nothing to society. We're, We're essentially just Throwing money away, good after bad, to care for the worst people on the planet. And it's something I struggle with, but they also pay me. So it's like, okay, well, we're not really going to do any of those things. You're just kind of offering up a shitty opinion. So, you know, I'm not going to just storm out of here and protest, which will affect absolutely nothing. But it, it, it's in two different counties, two different correctional institutions all the same philosophy. I had one person who was very high up in the jail make the suggestion we should just dig a hole and push them all into it. Jeez. <laughs> you know?
0: Wow. <laughs> what,
1: what is the line? Um, was sworn to protect or uh, protect and serve. Yep, protect and serve. Except if you're <laughs> shitty, in which case you're going in the hole. Yep, in the hole. With the, in the hole with the lotion. Um... So, I, I
2: this, it,
1: there is a struggle with, yeah, a lot of them will offer nothing to society and they are a drain, they are horrible, you know, it's the, it's the idiocracy. Generations of absolutely horrendous people breeding like rabbits, dumbing society down en masse. But is, is killing them the right answer? Well, it, it, it you know, phil- mor- morally, philosophically, no, obviously not. But this is the conclusion people come to, and there's a strong argument for it in this episode,
2: well, as made by the
1: uh, psychologist.
2: And there's such a paradox to that thinking. I mean, these guys are trying to say we need to wipe out, you know, the. I can't even remember the listing of crap that they gave to justify. It was, it,
1: it was cancer, muscular dystrophy, and then by the same token, you also had like deviant behavior.
2: Yeah, and these are the guys ordering others to kill them. Now, how is that not factoring in to deviant <laughs> behavior? You know what I'm saying? There's, the, you, right. you have these people at the top who are making this decision, and they think it's for the betterment. Sounds like you know a tap, a uh, at a, a, the typical government. But it's for the betterment of society to try and rid these, uh, these variances and these, these horrible things that could be happening uh, right at the beginning. And we're not talking grown men here, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking men, women, and children who are getting murdered by these soldiers to try and cleanse society of these potential... Potential wrongdoers. The thing is, is that you can bring up DNA, and that's something that we hear in the news every day. They have figured out a, a sequence in the in DNA that'll help them look for uh, the uh, an overweight gene, you know, something that will show them who who will potentially fall victim to Alzheimer's, and all of that is very very beneficial, especially when you're looking at it, at a medical uh, setting where early detection means, great, you have a better chance of beating something. Problem is, there are lines that can be crossed. And that's what this episode really kind of shows you the extreme of, where we've made a decision right. at some point saying, hey, we need to also take care of, we can identify the gene that shows, or that, that, that leads to depression, and suic- uh, suicidal tendencies or murderous tendencies, how are we going to deal with that? What is What are our methods to take care of that? And at some point in this episode, well, not in this episode, but prior to this episode, they just said, well, the easiest way to take care of that is rid it from the gene pool. Get rid of it. And I don't know. Dude, there are and, so many times I've heard, do not propagate. <laughs> do not <laughs> Do not reproduce. <laughs> And Matt's taking it, this episode takes it to the nth level.
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, I said to my wife, I was like, you know, the scary thing about this is, you know, it's who watches The Watchers. Who gets to make the decision as to what is desirable genetics and what's undesirable genetics? Because it's so easy to say, and fat people are undesirable, so you're all dead. And, you know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's just, just look at the list that he's, that he's using. He, the first thing out of his mouth is cancer. Now I'm a tax-paying citizen and a good father and an honorable person and somebody who's loyal to his wife. But because of if, if something I can't control, I, you know, I have cancer in my genetics. Literally, that's that's what lymphoma is. It's a genetic. It's it's a genetic uh, cancer. This isn't like you know something like a lung cancer where you got it by smoking, you know, or something along those lines. Um, you know, or you know, you or even something sort of benign. Uh, you, know, you live close to, you know, a, a, a some sort of plant that emits radiation. Nope, I just got unlucky genes, and I ended up with cancer. And if you're going with this philosophy, it's okay. Well, I'm an unworthy person and, and should be killed. I mean, I, I, where do you, as you said before, where do you draw the line? You know, why why is a person's worth measured solely by what's in their genes as this society? You know, and then and then look at the other side of this. You know, the, the the episode seemed to focus more on the idea of making better killers out of these people by using it's called a mask, by using the mask to mask their targets and make them look like monsters and dehumanize them so they'd be easier to kill. And then and my favorite part of the episode is when they showed him the video of him signing up for this thing where he's like, yeah, fuck it, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. How you
1: know, you know, and he co- you know, and when he goes home, you know, he lives in like this dilapidated this crack house basically.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's like
1: how did he is he worthy because he happened to just sign up for the program? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what made him any more worthy than somebody who like I said is a good father and a good worker and somebody who, you know, who generally follows the law but happens to have unlucky genetics? Yeah. And, you know.
2: Clearly, my guess is... Well, you saw the antagonist of this guy throughout most of the episode was that female soldier who was... Uh, soon mm-hmm. after, she flipped her... You know, he flipped his... Uh, whatever happened in his head where he started recognizing people as being people. And she... So he, he got
1: hit with... He got hit with, like, an... L, with, with a device that... Uh, that's dis- right, That yeah. basically the disrupted lighted. his mass.
2: Yep. And... She is, she's built for this. So you might actually be onto something there that I didn't pick up on. The people, these soldiers, are the ones that are going to be able to do the killing because that maybe that's in their blood. And in, in reality, in real in, right. in real terms, you know. And the people up above them are the ones pulling the strings, and they're not going to do the dirty work. I mean, that's for sure. The the ones above him, the government or whatever, are not going to do the dirty work. They're going to set the people who already have that in their blood out to do it for them. Uh, so, so yeah, as to, as to who's worthy as to getting into that program, they don't go into that, but that's a good theory, I think.
1: Uh, overall, what did you think of this episode?
2: I liked it. I told you I didn't finish it because for some reason, I don't know what it was. Something didn't really grab me when me and the wife were watching. It. I was just like, okay, whatever. And then last night, you know, I, I soldiered through it. I didn't hate it or anything. There was some stuff that I, I didn't understand at first. Like when he would go to sleep, I assume they would program something into his mask so it looked like he was screwing the, his girlfriend. Uh, I, I really don't know what purpose that had to do with the episode other than just to kind of screw Eliza.
1: Well, I was reading the system. wiki, and essentially, the mask creates soothing sexual dreams. To minimize the effects of combat.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, that that really didn't play... I, I didn't understand what was... I thought that was like an integral part of the story. I was like, who is this chick? What is she? Oh, my gosh. She's going to come into it at some point. No, it's just the girl he screws. <laughs> so, <laughs> but other than that, I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I mean, there's there's commentary all, all throughout this one, uh, for sure, about how... We're, we're coming to a point where decisions are going to have to be made and the people in the upper echelon of governments or the we're, Illuminati, kind of there whoever. Now.
1: We're kind of there now. I mean, there's genetic testing, and then there's the real moral question of, you know, if your genetic testing reveals that the, your, your possible uh, in utero baby might have like Down syndrome or something like that, you have the option of aborting that child. You, yeah. like we are we are deep in the age of of eugenics here whether you realize it or not and i don't want to take this on on a tangent but that's the argument against abortion is that essentially you are picking and you, you you are uh ah, sorry let me let me rephrase this there's the argument that being pro abortion um The people that tend to abort their children tend to be statistically, and this is the argument, not me saying it. This is the argument that I've heard, is that the people who tend to abort the most tend to be uh, those who are poverty stricken. You are, by allowing abortion, by promoting abortion, you are in a sense promoting destroying generations of uh, people born into poverty. And so, it, it, for the betterment of society, it's good to let poor people abort at will.
2: Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, if they're doing that, I, I do remember. I do remember what you're talking about there, where they did. At, I can remember they do a test. I don't know if it's DNA test or whatever, but I can remember. You know, with our, with our. With Caleb and I can't remember if they did it with Kira as well. I mean, two thousand five wasn't too long ago. Uh, they they were doing the test for Down syndrome and letting you know. I don't remember if it was ahead of time, but it was a good while, and you know, shortly into the pregnancy, I should say. So, uh, man, that's it. It just it's just going to snowball from there as we gain more and more knowledge. They say knowledge is power. That's right. As we gain more and more knowledge through DNA sequencing and, and gene mapping and all of that, you could allude that people like to play God. People like to go mm-hmm. in there and say, I, I don't want that. I do want that. The power to choose is very, very well, toxic. Look,
1: look, look at the tendency for people to, one, have an enormous ego about them. I'm great, but you're scum. And I have no problem seeing you destroyed. Yeah. Except that the people saying that are are also kind of shitty people, and it's only a matter of time before they get included. And I always go back to George Carlin on this, where he said, you could, you know, he was talking about racism, but it really does fit here in a conversation of eugenics. And that is, you could kill every every last person on earth, leave one guy standing, that that guy, that crazy motherfucker will attack the mirror.
2: That's the truth.
1: Good old George Carlin, one of our uh, one of our late great philosophers of the 20th century. That's right. That's right. All right, and we come to our season finale. Uh, the season finale. Do, 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 do. Sorry. Uh, Hated in the no nation. I have no
2: idea what you're referencing.
1: <laughs> Hated in the nation is a mo- is a
2: murder.
1: Um, It's a murder mystery. You know, it's the old uh, law and order CSI kind of a thing. We have our detective. We have our murder victims. The twist here to make it fit in with the black mirror uh, motif is that the killings are done by drone bees. And they are set in motion by a mysterious person Using essentially Twitter to create uh, a mob rules scenario where the mob, via social media hashtags, picks a target, and then at the end of the day, if that target has the most uh, hashtags, they are killed by drone bees. And then the twist—what a twist—is that anyone who used the hashtag. Becomes the victim of being killed by the drone bees. Once the cops, uh, specifically Benedict Wong, who you know last seen in Doctor Strange, uh, <laughs> falls right into the trap laid by the murderer by uh, not shutting the bees down, but in fact sending them to kill, send, sending them to kill their three hundred thousand plus targets. Oh, um, so it's a, it's a, it's an almost you know, it's a mass killing. Uh, set forth by the cops who were tricked into doing it. And it's, it, you know, the one real commentary on society is, again, it's that sense of mob rules. It's the it's the dealing... It, it's the anonymity of acting online and not facing any consequences. And in this case, you know, you, you face a comeuppance. You know, you should not... You should not have messed around. You should not have been naughty online. You know, we're right back to where we were with Shut Up and Dance. <laughs> Don't be naughty online. Hmm. And other than that, I didn't get much out of this episode. I fast oh, forwarded dude. through a lot of it because I got falling asleep on it last night. And then tonight, I, 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 you know, we, we went live at 9.30 as opposed to our usual 9 o'clock. So give me an extra half an hour to try to finish it. But like, I didn't even get started until well after 8 because I had to read with my daughter and I had to kiss my son goodnight. And you know, and I had to eat dinner, and it was dark out, and there were wolves after me. So you know, <laughs> I so I I had to skip a lot of things.
2: Well, that it, it is pretty long. It. It's it's an hour and a half. I mean, wow, uh, this is pretty much a movie. I really think that this is a set up part. You could call this a, a movie in itself because an hour and a half long feature film. Uh, the. Yeah, the social commentary is all over it about how do not, It's kind, you know, it's a story about do not jump in and participate knowing full well what's going to occur. The The one of the most alluring pieces of Twitter is the fact that you can get on there and you can follow whatever's trending and hop right on there and throw your opinion right into it. Uh, now, the big thing here was this guy created that program, the death poll, if you will, and whoever had those, many, that, those hashtags at the end of the... at 5 p.m. was going to be killed because it was an unpopularity contest, as they called it. Uh, but then when he turns it around, and they find his manifesto about how... Previously, he had dealt with and I don't know if this was in the manifesto itself, but the reason he made this manifesto was because he had experienced one of his friends being a victim to the online backlash because of something stupid that she did, and she right. posted online, so yes, do not be naughty online because something's going to happen. This lady had felt this the repercussions attempted to commit suicide. And he had found her and saved her life. And I guess <laughs> a, a, a revenge, you know, a vengeful fashion, he decided to do this. And then on the third day, when, when people were supposed to die, he turned the bees loose on everybody who used the hashtag, which I think was the big, you know, that, that was a good twist in my opinion. Everybody who knew because by the third day, this had all become public. They knew what the hashtag was for, and if it was used, it could potentially cause somebody to die. He turned that on everybody that used the hashtag, and everybody died that participated in it. Um, do yes, we are a, we?
1: What a moral quandary! Stop wishing death on people.
2: <laughs> well. I guarantee you, you could go on to Twitter. People say shit without giving it any thought. They give it no thought whatsoever. It's all because they feel like they have some kind of a power behind the keyboard and they feel untouchable. Uh, And then people do some stupid, stupid shit, post it online, and their lives are ruined. There was... Just to mention, I think it was earlier this week about a lady who, and you may remember this, I don't know, but she got onto a flight and said, when she, she got onto the flight, she tweeted, uh, going to Africa, and, I, and this is not the quote, but it, it's something like, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Ha ha, just kidding, I'm white. Okay? She gets on waka the flight. Waka waka. <laughs> she gets on the flight, and when she lands there are people ready to take her head off. Right. And be smart. Don't put shit out there that you don't want somebody else that could have, you know, could potentially be earth shattering. There is actually a series of a a TV series. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, Mark. It is, it is. And I can't remember the name of it. Sure enough. You think I would have did this a little bit of research, but it is nothing but stories. I think it's like how the internet ruined my life. And it's nothing but stories about encounters that people have either had or stupid stuff that they have done. I think one of the first shows that I read or I watched was about hashtag cancelcobert. And wow, this lady's life was ruined within days. So the online yeah. backlash of stuff is just ridiculous. It, it
1: reminds me, there's a coworker I, I've brought her up on a couple of different shows, obviously I don't ever say her name, and I never will, and I, and I generally like the girl, so I, you know, despite some of the silly things she says, but she made a point of saying in a whisper to, you know, the, the handful of us that she feels won't, you know, won't get her in trouble for saying this sort of thing, uh, you know, she doesn't like black girls, and it isn't so much of a, a, a prejudice as it is a reaction to how she's been treated by black girls in her life. So one, one could forgive her for feeling, you know, the prejudice and animosity when, it, when it's become so personal for her. But, the, but she still said it. In public. Yeah. yeah. At the workplace. <laughs> I just yeah. don't like black girls. <laughs> and it reminded me of a bit from Family Guy. I don't know if you ever saw this, but the, and I told her this too. I was, I was I told her that this is what she reminded me of. There's a bit in Family Guy where um, the newscast, uh, like Peter, like knocked out a, uh, a, a a television tower, and so like all of Kohog was blacked out. So. <sighs> The uh, the newscaster, Tom Tucker and at the time it was Diane, don't think they're being broadcast, you know, they're local news and they don't think their 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 broadcast is, is happening in Quahog. So Tom Tucker just starts going off about like random shit and Diane goes, I just don't like black people and you see the producer screaming at them, We're still on in Boston <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, and they just look absolutely mortified.
2: <laughs> uh, uh. the the thing is is that our society is coming to a point where we will base you know a 140 character tweet and think that we know somebody's whole life. Uh mm. it, it, it's like we we know what they stand for, what they don't stand for, when really, two things need to come into our heads, and that is, do we know the whole story, and did this was this person just stupid at that moment? <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> because
2: usually one or both of those things come into play, uh, and unfortunately our the online society is unforgiving; it is just completely unrelentless and will uh, bury you at so, the at any the the, hint. the
1: little the little bit that I used to participate in the online community you know outside of uh, the podcast was when I was writing for 411 and I used to do like, political pieces and I mean these were I would spend hours researching this stuff and I was like well here's here, here's a piece and it's it's food for thought and it would just generate fucking you know hate responses you know, and, and it wasn't like I was writing like Nazi manifestos here. I think one article was the one I'm most proud of was about the job, you know, the jobless future in the age of robots, you know, and how man, how we're still manufacturing more than ever, but we're not doing it with human beings anymore in many cases. And it was like, I would get comments that had nothing to do with that. It would, you know, it would be like, here, here's a piece about how manufacturing has gone to the robots and away from humans, um, and that's what, where the change in the economy is coming from in large large portion, and the responses were, fuck the Republicans.
2: No. What? Who? What? And that's just either somebody trying to get a reaction or completely misunderstanding the, the, you know, the point of what you were trying to do. RTA, right. read – RTFA, read the fucking article – whatever you know it's just like
1: oh god my dad's a smart guy and a thoughtful man but he he's bad at that like he sees stuff that i i i post on facebook and like we'll just start like blind commenting and then (laughs) and it won't have anything to do with the actual (laughs) article or anything that was said in it he's just reacting to the headline maybe And 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 that would be what i would respond back like did you even read the article Tell Uh, me what part of the article is wrong. Cite
2: sources. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we just need to be nicer. Don't be naughty on the Internet. My goodness. Look, if you get
1: nothing out of TV Party Tonight's take on Black Mirror Season 3, it's that don't be naughty on the Internet. In fact, (laughs) try not to be naughty at all. Do your best to be decent folk. 2017 and i feel like i had to make that announcement all right um season three jesse what are your thoughts in all in all okay
2: well i don't think it is the top of the three that we've covered so far uh i think our I believe season two still holds that in high regard, especially since it had white Christmas on there. I think that was the title of the episode with John Hamm and, and uh, the, the, uh, the interrogation that takes place in the digital world. That's a great episode. My goodness. So, but all in all, I've enjoyed my watching them the second time. I, I still found myself enjoying the episodes and, and, even that hour-and-a-half movie, I was like, oh, I, I think I know all the twists and turns. Still enjoyed it, watching it a second time. So, you know, it's it's something that I'm going to suggest to my friends. Matter of fact, a, a good friend of ours from the Kapow the Pop-Cultured podcast, Jordan Lowe, I suggested our first season review because he hadn't had a chance to go through all the, all the way through second season yet. And I think a lot of people who the most of the people that really enjoy this series are ones that like sci-fi, you know, are 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 kind of enjoying the tactical advances our society is making and and those people would definitely enjoy things like this. But I don't think it's above somebody like my wife, who could give a shit less about uploading a consciousness into whatever, she still had a fun time watching these episodes with me. So as for season three, it may not be the top of, of the season. I can't wait to see what season four is going to bring us. I hope it's a lot of good stuff if it ever gets here. Uh, but uh, I'm glad I had the opportunity to discuss it with you, Mark Ratlitz. i'm I'm glad you stuck with it and watched the third season with me, and we are all caught up, sir.
1: Yep. So when season four debuts, we'll try to uh, review it close to its debut date. Here, here's my 50 words or less on season three. This probably had the most hopeful uh, of endings throughout the. I mean, maybe I'm just way focused on San Junipero, but even even Nosedive, Yeah, she ends up in jail, but she's free. She's freer in jail than she is in, re- in you know in the rest of her life. And I, I took some solace in that. San Junipero has a beautiful ending. Um, you know the uh, playtest and Shut Up and Dance are, and in really Mad Against Fire too, all are of the usual Black Mirror type where it just ends in disaster for the protagonist. <laughs> it's just you know, and, that, that's, I, and I think that's what I'm getting to. Is like I'm so used to every episode of Black Mirror just ending in horribleness, you know, with these people just just, just face down in the shit.
2: And yep. at least
1: two of the six episodes weren't like that, so you know, I to me that that kind of puts it over the other ones. I don't necessarily want to see every episode with you know with a person standing there with their dick in their hand, going, "Well, I'm fucked." <laughs> me either. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. All right. <laughs> Uh, so that's it for tonight's episode of TV Party tonight. Tomorrow on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we're gonna—it's Rob's pick—and we're gonna look at an album called uh, a band called Ackercock, uh, Resistance and Extremis. I don't know what an Ackercock is, but I'm sure it's terrible. Um, next week it's uh, Justice League week. We've got the Dark Side War on Source Material. We've got a Damn You Hollywood Review of Justice League. And then we have our homecoming show, our pre-Thanksgiving show, where we take a turkey of an album and we check it out on the Metal Hammer of Doom. This year's turkey uh, is poison. Look what the cat dragged in. And then uh, we're taking Thanksgiving off, obviously. But we come back on Friday, Black Friday, everybody. And it's the blackest of Black Fridays as we will be putting the Batman v Superman on trial. Uh, to go along with Justice League Week. The following week, as we close out on November to Remember, we're going to be looking at the source material uh, Runaways, Volume 1, the first 18 issues. Damn you, Hollywood will be reviewing, reviewing the new Pixar animated film, Coco. And The Metal Hammer of Doom will finally get around to reviewing, which came out on November 3rd, the new Cannibal Corpse album. And as we all know, Jesse loves his growling Cookie Monster vocal death metal. So he's excited. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Yeah, you want to go ahead and do your, your series of plugs, sir?
2: Absolutely. Uh, again, Mark Radlich had a great time talking Black Mirror Season 3 right here on TV. Party tonight. Now, ladies and gentlemen go give that Rattlitch and Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. We usually get over there and post them uh, whenever they're going to be showing up here. Uh, we try to do our best to, to stay up to date. But you can follow us there. You can also find us on Blog Talk Radio. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all those great podcast outlets. Just search Rattlitch and subscribe. That's R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H. This week, actually, this past Monday, that was yesterday, right? We had um, on Source Material, the comic book podcast that I do, we had Josh Calandros, Benjamin J. Colone, and Ronnie Adams on to discuss some recent earth shattering comic book news, and that's Brian Michael Bendis heading over to DC Comics, the Marvel mainstay, Brian Michael Bendis. So if you want to check out uh, our discussion on the stories that he has written, how they have affected us in the past, and what we think that his move to D.C. will entail and what we hope to see. You can check that out. It's about an hour and a half long. It's, uh, it's a fun little podcast. So we're up to near 140 episodes. So I hope you have the opportunity to join uh, our or like our Facebook page there, either Radulich in Broadcasting Network or the Source Material Facebook page as well. You can follow me at Stiznar Keaton on Twitter and the Source Material Podcast uh, excuse me, Twitter is at SourceMatCast. I think that's all the plugs that I have, Mark Rattlicz. Let's rock and roll and get out of here.
1: All right, everyone. and Thank you for joining us on a TV party tonight's to review of Black Mirror season three. Thank you for the immeasurable Jesse Starcher. Starcher, even. I am your mandated reporter, Mr. Mark Rattlicz, and frankly, I'm mortified. Be well. Be safe. Don't be naughty on the internet, and for the love of God, behave.
2: Poop genius.